Hello, everyone, and either welcome or welcome back to the Gender Libertarian Podcast. If you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Substack page. When I said at the end of last week's weekly roundup, when I said that this upcoming week was going to be crazy, this is not exactly what I expected. <laughs> In the almost three years that I've been doing this podcast, and I can't believe it's been almost three years now, it'll be three in March, this is the craziest shit I've ever seen, and I've reported on a lot of crazy shit during the Trump presidency, but this past week was just, wow. Um, I I did not expect it to go smoothly. I did not expect it to go this badly. (laughs) So let's go ahead and start where I always start, and that is with the unemployment numbers. For the week ending on January 2nd, the initial unemployment jobless claims was 787,000, which is what passes for good news about now. I mean, it seems to be leveling back off around that number. It was there for a little while and then spiked back up into like the 900,000s and the 800,000s. And now it's kind of dropping back down into the mid to high 700,000s, which is still horrifically bad. As I say every week, but at least it's kind of leveling back off again. Um, The bad news coming out of the job sector is in December, for the first time since the pandemic started, um, the economy actually lost jobs. It lost 140,000 jobs. And that had been kind of the bright point and kind of the competing thing against the unemployment numbers was that even though those unemployment numbers were super, super, super high and the the job additions every month were not offsetting them by any stretch of the imagination. We were adding jobs back into the economy every month. And December is the first month since the pandemic first started that we have lost jobs out of the economy again. A lot of these were out of, obviously, the restaurant sector, bars, hospitality, stuff like that, because states are starting to go back into a second lockdown. And also it's winter. So it's not like the time of year where people really like to go out anyway, because it's freaking cold outside. So that's, that's not great news. Um, it's never, never good to have to report that we are still initial unemployment claims being that high and we did lose jobs. So going forward, um, I mean, I'm sure given the other events of this week, there will be more stimulus spending in the very near future, like probably around, I don't know, the end of January (laughs) because of how badly the GOP messed up in Georgia. But, well, actually, since we're there, (laughs) I had been predicting, if you've been listening to this, that the Georgia Senate runoff races, I predicted that the seats would be split. I thought that Purdue would stay and Loeffler would go. But as I'm sure you are already aware of by the time of listening to this, um, the GOP lost both of the Georgia Senate seats, which means the GOP lost the presidential election in Georgia and now has no Republican senators. Georgia. Freaking Georgia. (laughs) That, I mean... I don't think anybody really predicted that. And going into it, the the early polls, everything was kind of a toss-up. I mean, there was never going to be any kind of like runaway win, but it was it was always a toss-up. It was never 
kind of a thing, I think, where anybody actually expected the GOP to completely lose Georgia. But one interesting stat that I have seen come out of this so far is that Republican strategists have gone in and crunched the numbers, and it's estimated that about 144,000 GOP supporters stayed home for the runoff election. Let me tell you the difference in vote totals in both of these races. Ossoff beat Purdue by 50,658 votes. Warnock beat Loeffler by 88,895 votes. So those 144,000 people that stayed home, it cost them the election. It cost the GOP the Senate. And I'm hesitant to blame any one particular thing at this point because we are still kind of trying to figure out what the hell happened. But runoff races under normal circumstances are really weird monsters. It's hard to get people to come back out to the polls for a second time, especially when there's not a presidential race driving people to the polls. It's the same problem that you have in midterm elections. You don't have the same voter turnout because it's not a presidential election and people don't really care or pay attention that much to Senate races, to you know congressional races, down ballot stuff. It's just not as important to most people as the big marquee presidential election. But an interesting fact that also came out of this is the amount of people that did show back up um, in counties that went for Trump, they had 83% voter turnout as compared to the November vote. In the counties where Biden took the county in the general election, 93% of those voters came back out to vote. Those are pretty staggering numbers for both sides. That's that's impressive. You do not see those kind of numbers in a runoff election. But this was not a normal runoff election. This was one where it's going to determine the control of the Senate, which means control of the legislative branch because Democrats already have the advantage in the House. So now you have a completely Democratic Congress. You have a Democratic president. Yeah, um, the whole point of this was not to vote for either Loeffler or Purdue because they were wonderful Republicans. It was to keep divided government and... Even with that hanging in the balance, the GOP couldn't pull it off. Why that is? One can certainly speculate that one President Trump going on about how the elections are big old scammy fraudy things, depressed voter turnout. And I mean, we're, and like I pointed out, I pointed out the numbers to point out that you're talking about. I mean, for a state election, those are not insignificant numbers, but they're not super significant numbers as far as actual, like, how many votes the Democrats got versus the Republicans. Those 144 people, 144,000 people, excuse me, them staying home cost them the Senate. It cost them those seats. I, (laughs) I don't know. If anybody in the RNC is ever going to sit down and think about that and contemplate why that happened and possibly how you prevent such a thing from happening in the future, or if everybody's just going to go skippity doodah along, I, I, that, that, wow. Yeah. Um, 
it's pretty clear that Trump didn't help. How much he hurt, that remains to be seen. And I'm sure there will be plenty of long-form think pieces where people go and interview GOP supporters that stayed home versus going and voting for the Republicans in the Georgia runoff race. And you'll hear all kinds of reasons for why it happened. And there could very well be all kinds of reasons. Like I said, runoff votes are not super easy animals to deal with under normal circumstances. These weren't normal circumstances. You had a lot of things working against you if you were a Republican. And it's just, I I don't know what to say about that. That's just, that's kind of crazy. So that's how we started off the week. Um, We got the results of the Loeffler-Warnock one. That was pretty much known Tuesday night. Uh, Wednesday morning, everyone had kind of settled on the idea that Ossoff beat Purdue. Like I said, those those vote totals were a little different. I mean, it's a much closer race between Ossoff and Purdue than it was Warnock and Loeffler. But then, well, on Wednesday, I, I'm pretty sure I don't have to explain to you the events of Wednesday afternoon, because unless you live underneath the rock, you already know what happened. Um... It's not funny. I don't know why I'm laughing, but it's just like one of those things where you got to laugh to keep from crying or screaming or just flying into a fit of rage. But Wednesday afternoon, a bunch of Trump loyalists decided to go riot at the Capitol building and they overran D.C. police. They managed to make it into the building. They were in there for quite some time before being eventually escorted out. At this point right now, we have five people dead, uh, four people that were part of the the Trump rioter party, and one DC, well, no, he's Capitol Police, uh, Brian Sicknick, who died of injuries that he sustained in fighting the rioters. Apparently, he took a fire extinguisher to the head. So there's that. Um, The one woman that seems to be the flashpoint for everybody is Ashley Babbitt, which she is the one who was shot dead by House security when she was trying to breach the House chamber. There has been some controversy about this because she was unarmed. Here's the thing. If you go to the Capitol building and you're not supposed to be there and you're trying to go into the House chamber and you're not supposed to be there either, you know that there are armed guards inside the House and Senate chambers, and that's their job is to protect the chamber. So if you are trying to breach the chamber, you're going to get shot. Like that should just be a thing that you should know and be prepared for if you're going to do such a thing. So she got shot dead, And there's plenty of video of that, as there is plenty of video of everything, because, of course, why go to a riot if you don't videotape yourself at it? Which so many of these idiots did. And this is this is kind of the thing. A lot of people that were there, I think, were there for the lulls. They were there for the content. There's a lot of other people there that were not there for that. They they came to play. And so you have these competing groups of people and a lot of these people who were stupid enough to take pictures of themselves and live stream themselves doing federal crimes have been arrested by the feds already because play stupid games, win stupid prizes, don't post pictures of yourself doing illegal shit 
on the internet. Come on now. Like, you, they're going to find you. Like, don't. Like, plus, I can only imagine how many cameras are actually inside the Capitol building. Like, you're going to be on camera. They're going to fucking find you. Like, are, are you stupid? Like, do you want to get caught by the feds? Anywho, the ones that showed up a little more frighteningly, um, there is one picture of a guy who has his face completely covered, so we don't know who he is. And he's roaming around the house chamber with what looks to be a holstered handgun and zip ties. I don't think he was there to shake anybody's hand and congratulate them for their good work. Um, There was a makeshift guillotine set up outside. There was a makeshift noose set up outside. They found a truck outside that had Molotov cocktails in it and also more guns. Um, some of these people were not there to fuck around. Some of these people were there to find Mike Pence and kill him. Like, they point blank said that. They were chanting, hang Mike Pence. They weren't playing. They were there to kill this dude. They were possibly there to kill Nancy Pelosi. There was a couple people that said, we want to kill Nancy Pelosi. There were people actually looking for Mike Pence because he refused to not do his job in certifying the Electoral College results. And so, I, dear Lord, um, a lot of people seem to want to minimize this because A, it wasn't successful. Uh, they did end up coming back on Wednesday night and certifying the election results. So Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are officially the president and vice president-elect. So, I mean, you didn't, ultimately it failed. I mean, you they delayed the electoral college vote, but you didn't stop it and you certainly didn't overturn it or install President Trump as president for forever or whatever the fuck they thought they were going to do there. That didn't happen, but that was the intent. That is what they were there to do. And so I'm not okay with just minimizing this or kind of shrugging it off or laughing it off. Like, no, these people broke into a building that I was told was not that this was not even supposed to be a thing that was possible. Like after 9-11, we went through all this security theater shit and these people basically just walked in. Like this is not supposed to even be physically possible. Like what the fuck? But here we are and they're just roaming around in there for hours on end. Which brings me to my biggest problem with this is how in the ever loving fuck was this allowed to happen? When I first started seeing the videos of this pop up on my timeline, the first thing I noticed is that there was no National Guard. None. None pre-deployed there. None deployed after things started getting hairy. And I made note of it because, I mean, first of all, you had a small group of Capitol Police there. It's from reporting that's come out after the fact, uh, there's apparently 2,000 people on the Capitol Police and there was only 500 people deployed that day for a rally, which, I mean, if you wanted to be generous, you could have just still considered it a rally, that numbered a little over 10,000 people. This was something that was not some kind of organic pop-up event. It was planned. It was promoted by the president himself. It was known about for weeks This was not a surprise or should not have been a surprise to anybody. And that was the first thing I noticed is like, wow, this is seriously undermanned. 
And I thought about the Black Lives Matter protest that I kind of accidentally went to in the summer. Um, This was about a week after the riots at the CNN building. And I had gone down there just to document the damage and everything. And there was there was a protest going on. And so I was like, all right, I'll stick around for a while. I'll see what's going on. That was at Centennial Olympic Park in Atlanta, which is an open air park. It's it's big ish, but it's not like massive. It's not like it's the mall or something. And when I went there, there most certainly was National Guard there. There was a lot of National Guard there. And they were basically, you could not enter Centennial Olympic Park. And to, to kind of give you an idea, if you've never seen it, there is like a decorative fence barrier between the sidewalk outside the park and the park itself. And so behind the decorative, like the little decorative fence there, that's where the National Guard were. They were inside the park. You could not enter the park. They were spaced about six feet apart and they were all heavily armed and had riot shields. And so they were not like belligerent or being aggressive or anything. They were just there. But the message was clear that fuck around and find out. Like If you do anything, you if you try anything, it's going to be put down by force because there's the National Guard right there. And to the best of my knowledge, there was no kind of chatter or anything that that particular protest was going to be violent or that there was anybody planning on rioting or doing anything of the sort. But there they were just I mean, it had to be at least 100. I mean, they had roads blocked off. They had like I said, you couldn't even enter the park and they and they were nice enough people. I mean, you could talk to them. There was people taking selfies with them. There was people asking them questions, but still they were there. And so I'm watching this rally and I'm like, the fuck is this? Like, where is the National Guard? And so here's here's where stories tend to differ. And I think it's not so much stories tending to differ, but different situations around the building tending to differ. Um, You have video of people overrunning the Capitol Police because there just was not enough of them there. They tore down the fencing that had been put up. I think there was three layers of fencing. They tore that down and they overran the security force that was there. And some managed to push their way into the building. Um, There is also video of one of the side entrances. I'm not sure if it was the east or the west where the doors were open and the Capitol Police were basically standing down. Make of that what you will. I don't know if they were ordered to do that or if they chose to do that. There's a lot of questions, a lot of questions about how the hell this was allowed to happen. How did these people get inside the Capitol building? And we're talking these people were like scaling walls. They were breaking windows. They were busting through doors. Like where, I don't, like what, where was the breakdown here? And since that day, it is coming out that, um, yeah, let me, <laughs> let me try to give you the timeline here of exactly how this breach actually happened. And before I get into this, and so I don't have to keep repeating it, the Miller that I'm going to be referring to is the acting secretary of defense, Chris Miller, who is obviously in charge of the Pentagon. And apparently, and I, I should probably do the timeline first, but since I'm already here, um, 
apparently there was orders from the Pentagon for the DC police that were there on the scene to not be armed or at least not have, I mean, there was, there was definitely pepper spray. There was a tiny, tiny bit of tear gas, not anything like you would expect to see if you at all paid attention to anything that happened this summer. Um, I don't know if anybody had rubber bullets, but it was, yeah, this scene was, um, if you've watched any of the Portland protests or the Seattle protests or the Kenosha protests or any other protest, yeah, this wasn't that. This did not look like that at all. So the timeline, 1.18 p.m., multiple officers reported injured at the Capitol West Side. 1.41 p.m., Broken Arrow citywide dispatch signaling units overrun. 2.22 p.m., Capitol Police Chief Sund requests guard support. 3 p.m., Miller verbally approved D.C., the National Guard. 4 p.m., Hogan, and this, this Hogan is the governor of Maryland, Larry Hogan, learns Miller still has not approved Maryland National Guard. And Hogan, for his, to his credit, had been trying to get National Guard there all day. Like, I think Pelosi actually called him and he agreed to send guard. But he's being blocked by the Secretary of Defense from sending in Maryland National Guard. And he's also blocking the sending in of D.C. National Guard. So all this is happening. This is all after people have gotten inside the fucking building. Like, everybody knows there's people inside the building. Like, this is not a question at this point. So, at 4.41 p.m., Hogan received a phone call from Army Secretary McCarthy asking if he could send Maryland Guard ASAP. Hogan says, yes, we've been waiting. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine he probably said it in a little stronger language than that. And then Hogan, then Hogan was told that Mer Miller had verbally approved and then at 5.45, that is when Miller formally approves the deployment. At 5.45, this started at 1 in the afternoon. Um, I got some questions, especially since this guy has only had this job since November and he was appointed after Mark Esper was fired. And it was rumored at the time, and people were kind of raising the alarm back in November that, and this was kind of part of a whole spate of firings at the Pentagon, and people were being fired and being replaced with Trump loyalists. And so there was a lot of question back in November of basically like, what is this? What's what's going on here? This is This is kind of not cool, kind of not okay. And so now, in light of everything that happened on Wednesday... People are asking, well, why did Miller make these decisions? Who told him to make these decisions? What, like, there's, there's people, there's rioters in the Capitol building, and you're not doing anything? Um, dude, what? <laughs> so, yeah, that is obviously a big old massive question. The thing that, oh, oh, before... We leave off of this. While all this is happening, and there's no National Guard anywhere to be seen, um, Donald Trump is not on the phone trying to get the National Guard deployed. Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani are on the phone trying to contact senators to pressure them into delaying the certification vote. And we know this because in their just total, total ineptitude, 
um, they were trying to call uh, Senator Tuberville out of um, Alabama, excuse me. Um, they accidentally called Mike Lee. <laughs> so they can't even get the fucking numbers right. You accidentally call the wrong senator. One who is not exactly amenable to your plans. And so that is how we found out that these phone calls were taking place. Were there more senators called or attempted to call? We don't entirely know yet. I imagine that during this, there weren't a lot of people answering their phones because <laughs> they were kind of in the middle of a siege, you know, not really got time to chat. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of questions there. You can quibble about whether you want to call this a coup or not. Here is what happened. The president of the United States told his supporters for months. This is not weeks, months. This goes back to the summer where he has been telling people that this election will be fraudulent, that there will be rampant voter fraud, that this is all all, all a sham. It's all, it's all bad for months, months. He's been telling these people this, and it's gotten worse since the election. It's, I, I mean, I had to stop. I, I had to stop looking at the Twitter account. It just, it was just, it was too crazy. So you got this Stop the Steal rally, which is, I mean, first of all, let's talk about the name. Stop the Steal. What the fuck do you think those people were there to do? I think they were there to stop the steal. You know, just a thought. So... President Trump gives a speech before the march and gets these people all whipped up into a lather and then points them towards the Capitol building. And then there's not a lot of security at the Capitol building for reasons that somebody really needs to explain. And then they riot and overrun the Capitol building and basically try to overturn an election. I mean, I don't know. It seems kind of cooish to me. I don't know what else you would like to call that. And, and people want to argue that, well, the military wasn't involved. I'm like, no, the military wasn't involved. His military was involved. So, I mean, I don't know what else you guys want to call this other than an attempted coup. And you can sit there and say that it was a stupid attempt and it, it was an unsuccessful attempt. Okay, fine. The, uh, those, both of those things are correct. But that was the attempt. That's what they were there to do. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not entirely sure what... I mean, I, it's weird to me that people are trying to minimize this because it's a big fucking deal. Like, nobody has breached the Capitol. Nobody has overrun the Capitol in over 200 years. It's kind of a big deal. And... A bunch of people flew from all over the country to do this at the behest of a president who has been telling them for months that this election is fraudulent and that he actually won in a landslide and that something has to be done. And that and probably the worst one was that after Mike Pence formally announced that he's not going to like steal the election for Donald Trump, he's not going to refuse to acknowledge the Electoral College votes... Trump put out a tweet about how Pence failed him and so basically put a target on his back. So, yeah, you can't tell me this wasn't on purpose. This was, this was definitely on purpose. 
This was not an accident. Trump knew what he was doing. And these people knew what they were doing. They knew what they were there to do, or at least attempt to do. So I don't, I don't know what else to call this, but an attempted coup. Like, it, it is what it is. <laughs> and, and that's not to minimize it, but it's to maximize it. Like, understand what was just attempted this week. What we all watched happen in the United States. And, like, even Venezuela and Zimbabwe have some shit to say now. Okay? <laughs> Kenya has some shit to say. Like, oh my God, it just, I, I've i never seen anything like that in my life. And I'm still kind of trying to process it because it's, and it's almost like due to other events that have happened this week, people have just moved on. I'm like, what the fuck? This is nuts. I, I don't, I, I just, oh, wow. Um, So obviously in the wake of Wednesday's events, both the idea of impeaching Trump again and the 25th Amendment have come up. Um, still not entirely sure about the 25th Amendment, but it is looking increasingly like the House is going to go forward with another impeachment hearing. Whether this will make it to the Senate or not, I am not sure. Uh, Mitch McConnell sent out a memo that got leaked that details what the process would be if such a thing were to happen. Um, Basically, where we're at right now is the Senate is on recess. And if the Senate wants to come back into session before January 19th, when they are scheduled to come back into session, there would have to be a unanimous vote to call the Senate back into session, which in order to have an impeachment hearing, you're not going to get a unanimous approval because you're going to have the absolute fuckwits that are Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio and God knows who the fuck else that would vote to not do that. So, I mean, there's there's nothing saying that you can't continue with impeachment after Trump has already been removed from office. And you absolutely can. And there is absolutely a function to that. If impeachment proceedings do go through both houses, then he can never run again. He loses his pension. He loses his travel allowance. I'm not entirely sure if he loses his secret security detail. But yeah, there is an actual reason to do this, even once he's gone. The idea, though, is that he needs to go now before anything else happens. Uh, for that, you're going to need the 25th. I mean, just procedurally, you're going to have to, well, Mike Pence is going to have to step up and say he's unfit, which after everything that happened Wednesday, I, I don't know why he hasn't. I mean, this was this was kind of targeted at him. You know, those, there, there was people there that wanted to lynch him. I, I mean, I would feel a certain way if I was Mike Pence. If somebody whipped up a crowd against me to come lynch me, I would be like, no, you don't get to be in office anymore. This should not really be something that is controversial. But it is something that has become controversial because now, now... <laughs> The Republicans want to be the unity party and they want to heal the country. And, you know, this would just be so divisive and so disruptive, this impeachment process. And my God, we should just move on to healing the country, you know. And I'm like, you know what? Nah, nah, be. And I, I've seen 
better arguments for not pursuing impeachment. And I, I see them. I understand them. I understand there are people who are just like, you know what? Fuck it. It's well, at least at this recording, another 10 days. Just just let it let it go. Just let this play out and then he'll be gone soon. I can't. No. Here's the thing. If there is no actual punishment from Congress for what Trump did, first off, I don't know if you could be entirely sure that he'll leave on January 20th. I mean, if there's no penalty for this, then what would be the penalty for just being like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not leaving. Then what? I mean, he incited a riot in the Capitol building. There's got to be some kind of punishment for that. There's There's got to be some kind of reckoning. There's got to be some way that senators and congresspeople are forced to go on record with a vote saying whether they think that's an impeachable offense or not. There are lots of reasons to do this, even if it even if it ends up coming down like on breakfast time on January 20th, there's still reason to do it. There's plenty of reason to do it. I don't see a reason to not do it. Like this is not, no. And people are all like, well, but it's, it's going to make his supporters mad. Fuck them. Fuck them. I spent all summer hearing people tell me how we just can't be held hostage by extremist rioters because they're angry. And now you want to tell me, oh, well, we, we have to be careful because those extremist rioters, they're angry and they might do things. Well, fuck them. You know, like, this is this is ridiculous. This is absurd. I, I'm still not understanding how the GOP became so enthralled to one man and his supporters that even now they're still willing to support this shit. I'm like, y'all know you would have got the wall too, right? Like, they actually, well, I say they, we don't know who did this yet, but you can make a pretty educated guess. Somebody planted pipe bombs outside of the headquarters of the RNC and DNC in DC. Um, yeah, they were going to blow your asses up too. So I'm, I'm not, I don't get it. I do not fucking get it. The only thing that I can think is, and this is from an interview from Peter Maher. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name right. He's the guy who actually got elected to Justin Amash's seat. Um, and even he, I mean, he's brand new baby freshman. He's had conversations with Republican lawmakers who are going along with this just out of sheer fear for their own physical safety and their family's physical safety. That's fucked up. That's really fucked up. Somebody needs to put their foot down for that because that's not okay. That's if, if you're going to make the whole argument that Antifa is bad and that anybody trying to impose their will through brute force is bad, then you have to say this is bad too. Because this is no fucking different. No different. And for what it's worth, the Trump rioters also attacked members of the press. They they destroyed their cameras. I mean, they, they vandalized federal property. Uh, tell me how this is different, guys. I, I'm not seeing it. But I just, I... Yeah, there's got to be some consequence for this, for Trump. This cannot go without some kind of punishment. I, I just, I don't see how that even makes 
any kind of sense. But moving on to the punishments that have taken place, let me try to back up and do this somewhat chronologically. Um, on Wednesday, Facebook permabanned Trump. Twitter gave him the 12-hour suspension because there was three tweets that they finally, finally decided violated TOS. And so they gave him, you know, the, the suspension, like, okay, you're suspended for 12 hours or you delete these tweets and then you can have your account back. So that was Wednesday. After the suspension came into play, <laughs> I, I cannot even believe I'm about to say this next sentence because this is just the fucking stupidest thing. Um, Trump records a obviously a heavily edited and scripted speech where he concedes the election. And we all joked that he did it to get his Twitter account back. Well, come to find out he actually did do it to get his Twitter account back. Because on Thursday, Twitter decided to ban him from Twitter permanently due to tweets that he made after he came off a of suspension. And if you've ever been on suspension, you know the whole drill. They tell you, all right, this is temporary, but if you continue this kind of behavior, your suspension can become permanent. Everybody, you've, you've probably received the email before, blah, 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 blah. So he continued poking the bear and they finally said, bye. So that precipitated a series of events where Donald Trump basically has no social media anymore. He's been kicked off Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, Twitch, which I didn't even know he had a Twitch account. Um, Shopify has removed his stores. Uh, Spotify has removed his account, which I don't, I don't even know what, what's up with that. Um, TikTok has banned him. Um, so basically he has no social media presence at this point. And in something that would be comical if it wasn't so serious, um, on Thursday, after he got banned from his, his personal account, he went and tried to tweet from the, the POTUS account. Twitter shut that down. He tried to tweet from the Trump War Room account. They shut that down. He tried to tweet from a couple of other friendly accounts. They shut those down. So basically, Twitter spent all of Thursday night chasing Donald Trump around the platform and shutting down every account that was letting him tweet. Like I said, it would be funny if it wasn't so serious. Just the idea of like Jack Dorsey just like boop, 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 boop. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it wasn't Jack personally. I'm sure somebody else is in charge of that kind of stuff. But now that's where we're at. Um, Lynn Wood also lost his account. I believe they nuked his on Wednesday. And he, Lynn Wood was the, the crazy pants lawyer. You know, the one with the insane conspiracy theories. Um, I hear they kicked off Michael Flynn. I'm not quite sure when that happened. But as far as I know, those are the only accounts that Twitter has deleted. Uh, Rush Limbaugh self-deleted. A bunch of other conservatives have threatened to self-delete, but haven't. <laughs> Stop me if you think you've heard this one before. Um, so yeah, now there's a whole big conservative freakout that everybody is going to get kicked off of Twitter and that it's just going to be a bloodbath for conservatives. And as far as I know, all of those people are still tweeting. So yeah, I don't think this has anything to do with Republicans or conservatives writ large. This has specifically to do with Trump and anybody who has been completely super out there in supporting Trump's activities as they relate to the events of Wednesday. 
It seems to be limited to that. That being said, ramping up on Wednesday, and I say ramping up because I've noticed this over the past couple of weeks. Um, I'm not entirely sure if Twitter is purging or if people are leaving or if it's a little combination of both, but it definitely ramped up on Wednesday going into Thursday, going into Friday. It seems to be kind of calming down right now. That's, I mean, what to make of that, make of what you will. Um, Twitter has done purges before, and I'm thinking a lot of the purging is spam accounts, bot accounts. They're basically, they're, they're tightening up. They're tightening up the platform, which I mean, you know, it's, it's their prerogative, but that's kind of leaning into this whole idea that, oh, they're kicking people off the platform. It's like, well, who are they kicking off exactly? And like I said, it's, it's, not unusual for Twitter to do purges of accounts. And I've heard that, you know, asking certain accounts, I guess, certain like low number accounts, low activity accounts to verify their personal information before they let them tweet again. And that that is also showing up as part of this purge because those accounts are being deactivated until somebody proves that they are who they say they are. So where that ends up, I don't know, but people have lost thousands, tens of thousands. I've lost about 500. But I mean, it kind of, everybody, we got tired of all of us bitching on Twitter about our follower counts, but it's almost become like a badge of pride now to see who can lose the most followers. And it was funny because when we first started really noticing it ramp up on Wednesday, a lot of the accounts that we're talking about it were accounts that were being incredibly critical of the Capitol riots. And so we all kind of thought that people were just like mad at us. And we were like, all right, bye. See ya. Fuck you. And, and maybe it wasn't that. But I, I've been, like I said, I've been noticing this for the past couple of weeks. And I've been predicting that once the Trump era ends, a lot of people are going to log off Twitter because it's it's not going to be what it was. It's not going to be this blood sport. Oh my God, what is Trump doing today? What is everybody saying about Trump? And what like and especially now that Trump does not have a Twitter account, it's going to be real interesting to see what happens. I, I've been predicting that political Twitter is going to look a lot different six months from now. I did not expect Trump to lose his account quite so soon. Um, and here's here's the debate on that. Was Twitter right to do this? Now, I have said several times, I feel like a broken record on this because I feel like I have this discussion every time somebody gets kicked off Twitter. Twitter has the right to do that. Whether it's a good idea to do it or not is always subject for debate they had kind of made it clear that once Trump was out of office, he was going to be reduced down to mere mortal status with the rest of us, which means that he was probably going to lose his account pretty soon after leaving office. So I'm not surprised that they nuked his account. Like to me, it was a when and not an if. So on that level, I'm not mad. Like this was going to happen. It just happened a little sooner than probably planned because the president's tweets helped incite a riot. So yeah, at some point, Twitter is going to be done with your bullshit. And, but what it's worth, 
Trump has violated TOS so many times in so many ways that would have gotten any of us kicked off. And they have bent over backwards for that man. It, it took him inciting a riot to get kicked off Twitter. And so their, their justification was always that, well, he's the president, he's a public figure, he does official communications through his account, so we can't shut his account down. Which, all right, I mean, make of that what you will. If you want to take a more cynical approach, they left him up because he was good for numbers, which, I mean, you can't argue that the past four years haven't been good for Twitter on an engagement level. I mean, as far as sheer numbers, it's the environment is toxic as hell, but the numbers are great. So, I mean, I'm not super, super sad about Donald Trump losing his account. And some people have called this censorship. I mean, no. <laughs> like I said, he's clearly violated TOS a lot of times and he's he's gotten a lot of passes. So, I mean, you... Part of the deal you make with social media, when you use it, is to act right. And if you don't act right, they kick you off. So Donald Trump just got what would have happened to any of the rest of us. Does this make him some kind of free speech martyr? Probably. I mean, people are going to hold him up as that. And there's always the argument about content moderation and who should be platformed and who shouldn't be platformed. I want to discuss that after I discuss the other news, social media-wise, that came out of Wednesday's events. And that is that both Google Play and the Apple App Store have kicked Parler off of their platforms. So as of right now, you cannot download the Parler app on an Android or an Apple phone through the app stores. I've been told that on Android phones, you can sideload it like you could download the software from a third-party vendor and load it in that way. Obviously, you do not have that option with Apple. I've been told you can also access it via like web browser. I'm not entirely sure. I don't really play around with Parler all that much. But as of right now, you cannot download Parler because, and I'm going to try to explain this because I I do have a problem with this. I, I have a problem with how this was handled. Google and Apple approached Parler and said that unless you make changes to your content moderation policy within 24 hours, we're going to remove your app from the store. Now, neither company, as far as I can tell, was specific in what exactly they wanted to see out of Parler, which if you're going to make that ask, you have to be specific. Like, what is it that you're wanting to see? And for what it's worth, Parler does have a content moderation policy. It says specifically in their TOS, they will take down anything that violates the community guidelines or could possibly leave them open to legal or regulatory exposure. So they have the ability to do it. Whether they choose to do it or not, I mean, that's up to them. <laughs> your platform, your rules, if you, however you want to do the content moderation, but I'm not super okay with companies just making vague threats to a social media platform and then nuking them when they don't agree to them. And for what it's worth, Parler basically told them to go fuck off, which, I mean, that's about what you would expect from Parler. But I'm I'm just, mm, no, mm -mm, not okay with that. And then once the apps got kicked off of the, the app stores, um, 
Amazon Web Service, which was actually the host for Parler, kicked them off. So basically, Parler does not have a home right now. I don't know if you can post on Parler right now. Um, I have the app, but I haven't used it in so long. There was updates and you can't do updates right now. Like even the, the ability to update your app is gone. So I can't really tell you what is going on on Parler right now. But they, they're kind of homeless. So here's here's the argument. And I have been discussing this for years. And this is... Let, let me explain to you why I get irritated with this conversation. You have one group of people who basically shrug it off and say, well, I mean, Apple doesn't have to host your app in the App Store. Google Play doesn't have to host your app in the App Store. AWS does not have to give you cloud computing services. True. Absolutely. That's how free association works. But this is kind of concerning because... You came at them with this weird, vague threat, and you didn't really specify what you wanted out of Parler, and then you kicked them off. And it always ends up getting flattened down to this stupid, stupid circular argument, and this has happened so many times, so many times, and I'm so tired of discussing it. Everybody wants to reduce this to a grandstanding talking point one way or the other, but nobody wants to actually have a conversation about what do you want to do? How do you want to fix this? Like right now, everybody is in this space because of honestly, really more of what happened to Trump, which I, I'm way more concerned about what happened with Parler than I am with what happened with Trump. Trump had it coming. Like, I'm sorry, you you had this one coming. And you could talk about how it is concerning that so many social media sites decided to ban him at around the same time. I don't think it's collusion. I think it's somebody was waiting for the first one to do it. And so then that gave them the opportunity to do it. I'm pretty sure every social media platform has wanted to kick off Donald Trump for years. They were just waiting for a reason to do it and for somebody to go first. That's how I view that. <laughs> but it, it brings up the whole thing about content moderation and everybody wants to do the dumbest versions of this argument. Content moderation is hard. Deciding how content moderation works is a really difficult discussion. Content moderation at scale is virtually impossible. Right now, there's this mood that it shouldn't be up to one or two people to decide who it is that does and does not get platformed and what is and is not allowed on that platform. Well, who do you want to make that decision then? I mean, really, like if you have a problem with this, what is your solution? We have this argument so many times and nobody ever gets around to coming up with a fucking solution. And it's aggravating. It's it's. Like, it's it's a serious conversation. It's worth having. It's also going to be a very hard conversation because once you start deciding that it is not the company's prerogative to make that decision, well, then whose is it? Let me go ahead and tell you right now, it can't be the federal government because of the First Amendment. So that goes out the window. I mean, even if you got rid of Section 230, you still have the First Amendment. And it's very clear right there in the beginning of the First Amendment, that Congress cannot, they can't make a law on this. They cannot dictate to people what speech is and is not hosted on a platform. So if it's not the federal government, 
and it's not the companies themselves, then who do you want to make this decision? Because somebody's going to have to make it. I mean, you can look at the sites that don't have content moderation, like Parler, like Gab, and they're fucking cesspools. It's, it's like normal people do not want to go on those sites because it's full of fucking crazy people. And so, like, what? I don't... It's such a frustrating argument because people seem to think that there is some level of Goldilocks moderation. There isn't. There just isn't. I mean, you cannot hire enough people to do this. AI is not sophisticated enough to do it. So what do you want to do? And also, people tend to forget that social media platforms, while also being a form of communication and the quote-unquote public square, if you believe in that, they're also businesses. They're in the business of trying to create the best product that they can to attract the most amount of people. And so, yeah, content moderation is part of that. It's a reason why everybody hasn't moved to Parler or moved to Gab because people who are not cuckoo crazy crackers who go on to those sites are like, this place is full of fucking nutcases. I do not want to be here. And so you kind of get an idea of how much Twitter really protects you from. And these conversations always seem to center around Twitter. Like I said earlier, Facebook was the first one to kick Trump off. And I've not seen Facebook get a lot of heat for this. Facebook is a much, much larger platform than Twitter is. They have way more users. It's older. Um, I mean, it's just, it's a larger platform. But somehow they seem to escape a lot of the venom that gets directed at Twitter. <laughs> Make of that what you will. Um, I think it's really just a lot of extremely online people being mad at the social media platform that they happen to be on. But it's just, it's, it annoys me. It annoys me so deeply that everybody wants to demagogue a conversation that is serious. I mean, what happened to Parler is a serious thing. And, and for what it's worth, this is also what happened to Gab. Gab went through the same thing with their web hosting. They were originally on Microsoft. Microsoft kicked them off. They had to go find other hosting. So it's it's not like it's a, a new thing, but it's it's a really complicated, nuanced conversation that nobody really wants to have. And But people keep bringing it up. People keep bringing it up, but nobody wants to have the conversation. And as somebody who does care about social media and somebody who does realize the realities of content moderation and does realize that this is going to be a conversation where there's going to have to be trade-offs. Nobody's going to get everything they want. And a lot of the things that people seem to want are things that are not possible, that you just, you, they're not legally possible. They're not physically possible. So what do you want to do? <laughs> oh, I can't, I can't stand people bitching about a problem and not coming up with a solution that just irks me deeply. <laughs> and so I'm probably just going to be irritated about this for a really long time. Um, What this does open the door for and not that this door wasn't already wide fucking open to begin with, is a Section 230 repeal, which is just going to lead to even more content moderation. Because once you make platforms liable for the things that wackadoos like you and me post on them, guess who ain't going to be posting on them no more? Yeah, so... Oh, I, and I, I knew going into a Biden administration, this was going to be one of the first real battles. And that was even before everything that happened on Wednesday. And 
I'll probably write more about this. I, I wrote for my Substack already kind of about covering this sort of stuff. There's a lot of the social media angle I want to talk about. There's just, there's a lot that I want to discuss about, about all of this because it's just wild. Just, I don't know. Oh my God. This past week is, this whole past week is a whole history book. Like just a history book on the past week. <laughs> there's going to be like a whole college course on the past week. Oh my God. But we have roughly, like I said, as, as of this recording, about hopefully 10 more days of the Trump presidency. Hopefully. Provided, I mean, unless they 25th him or he decides not to leave on the 20th. Oh, he's not going to the inauguration, by the way, which who cares? Nobody wanted you there anyway. But he's officially said that he's not going. Okay. I'm not entirely sure what the inauguration is going to look like anyway. I mean, there was already questions about that due to COVID. Obviously, you're not having like the big inauguration thing like you normally do. After what happened on Wednesday at the Capitol, I'm sure those plans are going to be reduced down even further in order to protect everybody because there's already chatter going on about how they're going to come back on the 20th and try to do something. So I'm sure... I mean, we might just end up having, like, a Zoom inauguration from, like, a secure bunker? I don't know at this point. Oh, my God. What is this country right now? <laughs> that you even have to have this discussion is just, it's really disturbing, honestly. That we have to figure out how exactly are we going to inaugurate the next president without um a riot <laughs> or possibly somebody getting hurt or killed. That's not okay. That's not healthy. Not a good place to be. So, fingers crossed that the weeks will get better from here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up because I've been going on long enough. I am sure there are plenty of aspects of the past week that I've just forgotten to cover because, I mean, <laughs> to do this exhaustively, we would probably be here for longer than a Rogan podcast. <laughs> So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. So if you did make it this far, thank you for listening. And if you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe to my Substack page. It's jenmonroe.substack.com. Take care and until next time.